that's fundamentally what drives me. I do want to try and make the world a better place, whatever that means. But from my perspective, it's about protecting environments and dealing with global environmental issues. But I still want to be recognised in what I'm doing. Hello and welcome to the Talking Leaders podcast. This is Season 2, Conversations About Promotion. Like most people, noted environmentalist and co-founder of Sound Matters, Mike Edwards, began his career with the ambition to be promoted. But then, a stint living and working in the Australian bush shifted his view of the world, including his perception of promotion. In my early academic days, I definitely wanted to climb the ladder. In many ways, that was the only thing that was important to me. And, and I wasn't, this was perhaps what was a bit of a struggle, it was I wasn't necessarily a good academic in terms of, I, I didn't find it that easy. Let's say I wasn't particularly intelligent. I didn't succeed at school very easily. And yet academia appealed so much, partly because there was freedom and partly because at that time you would often choose academia because there was a life of freedom ahead of you it felt less structured. It was when I was doing my PhD, I think, that it wasn't that I started to see through academia, but just at that time, there was this huge emphasis on this like idea of publishing or perishing, you know, and it was called publish or perish. And I was a bit like, oh, for God's sake, you know, I'd, I'd prefer to perish, you know, this all the funds being taken out of it. But having said that, deep down, I did want to publish. I did want to be a success in academia. And potentially, had I not gone to Australia and sort of fallen into a slightly different lifestyle, I think I would have probably followed that academic path. And I would like to think I would have achieved some success in that and potentially have achieved promotion. But in Australia, something something happened to me where I suppose I started to see through a lot of these ideas around success and promotion. And I, I became much more interested in actual life and living, living an exciting life. And I couldn't at that time necessarily see how I could live that exciting life and also become a, a traditional academic. Just give us a bit more detail on on what you imagined promotion would be like. So you said, you know, in the early days you were more interested and you, and you could see that, that there was the attraction and there was the, the promotion in terms of being published and therefore being recognised, so that promotion of your your abilities and, and, and achievements as, as an academic. But in a, a more sort of formal, structured way, what kind of things were initially attractive? I mean, you're talking about being being made, I don't know, reader or senior lecturer or that kind of thing. Yep. And when you when you were thinking that was something you might want to do, what was it that was attractive about that kind of formal structured promotion? Very much recognition. You know, I think that was the key thing is that you would, those promotions or that promotion would come about as a result of what you 
had achieved, uh, what you had written, and how that had been received in a broader community. Yeah, it was about other people saying, you're good enough. And that, I suppose, again, falls into part of my ideas around success is about acceptance, you know, that somehow you've achieved within, you know, within that structure. And I suppose I've had a bit of a, there's a huge tension in me, and it remains today, of wanting to sort of stick two fingers up to every system, and yet also wanting to be legitimized or legitimate in that system. So it's, it's a bit like a family, you know, you want the family to love you, but you also want to tell them all to piss off at times. (laughs) So I still feel it very much today very much an answer to your question that it was about recognition okay so uh, never about the other things that that sometimes attract people to promotion compensation and benefits no and to be honest if that had ever been a driving force i wouldn't have chosen academia you know i don't (laughs) think many academics choose academia to become rich so no and money never drove me and that that's both good and bad. I mean, I I grew up in a family which by no means was, it was never wealthy. You know, we weren't a wealthy family, but we definitely didn't, you know, suffer. Um, but we were always brought up in in a way that allowed us to focus on work. Like we, we didn't have to go and get jobs. You know, my parents made sure that if we were studying, we were studying. When we went to university, we had enough money to do that. So I suppose in some ways I grew up having it a bit too easy. And so studying could become my absolute focus. So I didn't have that I didn't have that financial stress, which may have driven me in a different way, which <laughs> now at 52, I, again, as I say, I wish I had been a bit more driven by money. I did my tax return the other day and kind of got all excited when you know I'd made a loss because I didn't have to pay anything out you know it's that sort of ridiculous relationship with money. Take us back to Australia then so you went to Australia why did you go to Australia what was that about? So I went to Australia as a result of getting a scholarship so I got a scholarship to basically study at any university in Australia to do to do research. And and then, as you say, something happened there, changed your attitude towards a you know, formal promotion process. Explain that a little bit more. What 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 happened and, and how did your mindset shift? Yeah. Well, I grew my hair long and started playing didgeridoo. Um, I mean, that that's joking. And you were how old at this time? So how old was I? I was 20, about 23. Right. So, yeah, and I suppose it was being removed from a family context, I didn't know anyone in Australia. So, you know, just sort of parachuted into this this new space where I was all of a sudden able to explore different aspects of my personality. I didn't have, you know, there were no there were no expectations from anyone. I could behave in different ways. You know, it was it was nice. One could almost reinvent oneself. I, I actually went from Manchester, so I was in Manchester, and then I ended up in this small rural part of Australia. So I went to, started off at University of New England in Armadale. So I went from sort of 
Manchester, busy, busy Manchester to this absolutely beautiful part of Australia, which was surrounded by wild areas. And I think just being in that new space, it was like, it changed me. I'd always loved natural environments, wild spaces, and I'd traveled to find them. But actually living in such close proximity, being on my own and sort of just starting to commune more with that perhaps more than human world and just really experiencing what that meant. And I think once you start doing that, once you get out into the bush and everything, all our notions of progress, you know, success, promotion, they're kind of meaningless. And I think that's what happened to me. It was slow to begin with, but over time it was like there's a there's a different way of existing. There's a different way of experiencing the world. And sadly, as we urbanize, as we all, you know, and more and more as we talk to each other in, through Zoom, that more than human world becomes less important. And we can kid ourselves that somehow we can be satisfied with our human constructs and materialism. But that doesn't, in my mind, that that will never that will never satisfy us. And I suppose that was it, that experience of Australia. Because after, you know, often after a day at work, we'd, we'd head out to a national park, sit on a boulder, have a fire, and just watch the sunset over this vast expanse of eucalypt forest. I was like, this is, this is more important than any of that other rubbish. So, you know, and I, I say rubbish advisedly. I'm not trying to say that in a unpleasant way. It's more that's how I was starting to feel. Yeah, so that's when... Different perspective on things. Yeah, different perspective. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I suppose when I, when I had that access to the bush, when I could go out camping just like that, I didn't need all this other stuff. You know, the, the, the notion of success, whatever, it, it didn't really mean much. And I got fascinated with Aboriginal ideas of connection to land and landscape. And I think that in itself, suddenly starting to understand people's connection or certain groups, certain Indigenous groups' connection to that more than human world became absolutely sort of fascinating to me. Mm. But, I mean, at that point, I'm just imagining, I suppose you could have said, wow, uh, the world's opened up to me. I now know what's most important to me and I'm going to focus on that. And you could have gone to live in the bush, yeah, but you didn't. Absolutely. You came back, as it were, into uh, the, the sort of more structured, organised, urban way of living, but you came back with this new perspective. Mm. So first of all, why did you come back in? Then when you came back in, how did you just talk us through how you 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 managed that then? Because now you'd got this different view, which made you very cynical, yeah, about the world of promotion and structures and so forth. But nonetheless, you'd chosen to come back in and live within yeah. it. How did you resolve that tension? Yeah, it's a really it's a really good question, and I don't think I have resolved that tension. Actually, I mean, I I sort of came back. I came back from Australia for sort of family reasons primarily and also interestingly if we if we come back to the idea of promotion success whatever i had at that by that time become a sort of professional didgeridoo player so my comment before actually was the reality so but i wanted to be one of the best 
didgeridoo players, contemporary didgeridoo players in the world. So this comes back to this idea of all, although I'd shunned this idea of success and promotion, in the context of my own interests, I definitely wanted to be the best that I could be, and hopefully the best in terms of other, you know, in the context of other players. So that need for verification from others of your skills and your abilities and achievements, that was still as strong as ever. It's it's massive. It's really massive. And I think that's a, a comes down to a big confidence crisis in confidence, actually. You know, I do seek out the sort of affirmations. I want people, it's a bit like posting something on Facebook or something. It's that red crack you know when someone's liked something and I realized I have this terrible flaw of needing that but that goes back a long long way to sort of just lacking confidence so that need to sort of come back in was because although I loved that as I say nature more than human world it didn't necessarily give me what I needed in terms of being told yes you're good or we right. think you're wonderful and all this. The bush the bush wasn't going to tell you that. It wasn't going to. And whilst I can pretend that I didn't need that, I do need it. And I still mm. and I still need it. I sort of crave. And this is it. it. It's not because I want to show people that I'm good at something. It's because I need it personally. You know, I need yeah. it. Otherwise, I kind of fall apart. And as I say, it's it's not something I'm proud of in any way. It's just it's just understanding one's character eventually. So I came back because I needed that, and that led me on this this next journey, which has been about you know wanting to do something. I mean, that's fundamentally what drives me. I do want to try and make the world a better place, whatever that means. But from mm. my perspective, it's about protecting environments and dealing with global environmental issues. But I still want to be recognised in what I'm doing. Are you? Do you feel a little bit, a bit sort of reticent about that? Then I mean, you, you, you're talking about that as a need, as though it's some sort of thing to be, to be a little bit ashamed of. It's some sort of, sort of, sort of failing on you that you have to have this, this need. Is that how you see it? I think it's how it manifests. I think this is the thing. If I could embrace it and accept it. But because coming back to what I said earlier, you know, there's this huge tension. I think that tension leads me to sort of crave it in not necessarily a positive way. I'm not sure I'm, I deal with it, that tension very well. If I could be much more like, yes, I want to be successful. I want to be promoted. But in some, somehow I sort of, I undermine that. I sort of, I sort of frown upon it. And so the way I deal with it isn't necessarily very effective, very mature. We were having a chat the other day and, you know, other people's success on the one hand, and I'm being very honest you know, in mm. terms of on the one hand, I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, someone will say they've got this promotion or done something. On the one hand, I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. And then somewhere deep inside is like, oh. God, you know, another successful person, which sort of undermine for some reason. I feel it's undermining me, um, mm. and I'm I'm really working on it. Actually, we're having, um, well, I'm doing some coaching, um, which has been fantastic. But to sort of come to terms with this this tension and try trying to make it something positive. And as you said, is there anything wrong? 
with wanting to, I suppose, do things well, to be recognised for it. You know, I, I don't think there is. The problem for me is that often that that promotion and success is in areas of life which perhaps aren't improving the environment or people are doing it in areas of in work that I don't necessarily think is making the world a better place. So there's all that tension, nonsense going on as well. Mm. Mm. But that thing about hearing about other people's success and then and then a, a sort of darker part of you regretting that—I mean, that's that's quite well known, isn't it? I mean, isn't it? Was it Gore Vidal said it was something like, "Every time a friend succeeds, I die a little." Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'd never actually heard or come across that quote. And how do you feel now about promotion and, in particular, the sort of status marked? promotion where someone would give you a label that says yes you're definitely there i mean you know do you hope one day to be professor mike edwards for example no i i mean it would be an impossibility now again because of the way academia is you know i haven't published anything of any importance or significance for years and i mean that sadly with academia still or not sadly that's the way it is you know it, it is publishing that's important so you you can be a a great teacher or whatever, but in our system, especially over here, teaching, outreach, doing something like that isn't recognised in the same way unless you've got, you know, however many publications under your, your belt. No, so definitely not. I think I achieved what I wanted to achieve in academia by doing a PhD because I never thought I'd be capable of doing it. As I said earlier, because now I'm not in a field where I'm going to get promoted and definitely not in academia. So it's going to become much more self-defined of what su success means. And, oh, sorry, I know I'm conflating, you know, promotion with success, but I suppose now I'm doing it as a self-employed person or whatever, or as part of a, a company I've set up. I've got to define what those parameters are of when one's achieving and, it's a sad state of affairs, but still, for me at the moment now, and I suppose with the family and everything, it's got to be partly around money. You know, can I, can I support myself? Can I help support the family? And to be honest, I haven't made a lot of money in my life. You know, my, my career choice hasn't resulted in me <laughs> achieving financial stability so i suppose a lot of this will come down to big to begin with is our business is sound matters making money to support myself and my business partner and then perhaps it'll be a case of okay in terms of promotion would it be that maybe yeah maybe we could think about awards or something like this would we be awarded something for the work we've done in using sound to address environmental issues or something like that so it may become that one's starting to look for those again those markers of achievement but i can't see us having there's going to be no promotion as such Okay, so promotion hasn't been a big part of your career by personal choice, but say someone came to you and asked your advice about getting promoted, would you give them any? Absolutely, yes. What would you tell them? Um, so important to ask yourself the question of why. You know, why do I want this promotion? 
you know is it is it something that's lacking in you which you feel will be fulfilled through and by this promotion so i think it's it's asking that question why and for what what end what's it going to lead to and i think you know we read so many of these self help books and everything and you know people realize that once they've re- achieved that promotion there's still that lack in their life you know that so they're still searching um and also i suppose the how how are you going to do it you know what toll potentially is it going to take on your life in other areas you know are you going to go 100% for this promotion and i think so asking those why what how so important to really understand what it is that that's driving you to that end um well another thing that's important to consider is what this promotion may be doing in terms of the the wider world obviously because i come from an environmental background i spend a lot of time thinking about what people do and the impact they're having and a lot of these promotions are going to be occurring in companies um that are not necessarily doing good things for the world so it's not that i'm saying oh no that that's bad that's good that's or that's bad but it's about actually thinking of the broader context are you just going for the promotion because you want the money and you want to be high as ceo in an organization or have you got the capacity or should you be forced to think about what's the broader impact of that that work that you're doing i think that's so so crucial and increasingly i mean what what's good is that we're seeing companies really embracing sort of sustainability esg goals and targets and so being able to also ask yourself the question is am i doing good for the world is this promotion going to lead to positive outcomes and if it doesn't then are you okay with that and and if it does great but how can you shape that to have more of an impact i think that's it's kind of the way i see the world going i think those questions are going to be even if you're not asking them yourself you're going to be asked those questions say in interviews whatever and i think it's it's really important for people now as they're coming through maybe working for certain corporations is to be able to challenge the norms around which these organizations work and if you're in a position where you're likely to be promoted it's because you're respected you're seen to be a good person to do the job so having the guts having the courage to challenge and to say look i i'm not comfortable with this i think i think we should be doing it this way so being courageous and not just always assuming that people are doing you a favor by promoting you it's we're going to see this a lot and companies are going to be more receptive to this because they want to keep hold of high caliber people and they also want to create a working environment which is going to appeal to these people and we're going to see a whole generation of you know new leaders who are coming through who are going to be saying you can't do that you can't behave in that way you know the planet can't support that so I, i'm kind of excited that in the future the power dynamics 
they're going to shift a bit because the very word promotion, it feels like someone else is deciding that for you. You know, they're saying, okay, you're you're worthy or you've done what you need to, we're going to promote you. But it's also saying, well, yeah, do I want to be promoted in this organization, which isn't doing this, which isn't isn't behaving socially or environmentally well. And I really like I like that idea that maybe people will be seeking promotion so that they can shape organisations to more beneficial ends. A big thank you to Mike for his honesty and challenge. That promotion is a form of affirmation is a point made in one way or another by all the people in this series of podcasts. But perhaps seeking promotion to bring about vitally needed change should be the primary focus and motivation now. What do you think? I'm Paul Gisby of Talking Leaders. We help leaders who want to get heard, be understood, and to build trust. Goodbye.